Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we are thrilled to be joined by Amr Goel, who is a co-founder and CEO of Bitto, which is a groundbreaking technology company that leverages AI to accelerate software development and enhance uh, developer productivity. So prior to Bitto, he actually founded Pubmatic, which is a digital advertising platform that went public in 2020. It's traded on the NASDAQ. And Amr brings a wealth of experience from roles at Microsoft, McKinsey, Netscape, and what I believe really makes him a leading voice in the whole, in the, you know, the intersection of AI and software development. So welcome to the show, Amr. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Super excited to have you on the show today. Um, I wanted to kick it off and kind of ask you a little bit about yourself and your background. Um, you know, in technology, you know, you've worked in this space for for a while now. Is this something you always knew you were interested in, specifically like AI and stuff, or is this something that, as your career developed, you kind of got pushed in this direction? You know, what what's uh, what's your background? Yeah, I mean, I think I've been interested in software for a long, long time. I mean, that's kind of I really loved building products and building companies for a long time. I started a company when I was in college, and I kind of <laughs> used to do random things when I was a kid. Um, but I, I would say like AI is newer and for me in the sense of, you know, I, um, former company Pubmatic I'd started, I used to run a machine learning team there. Uh, so, uh, something that, you know, I would say classically, I'm more of like a product you know, type, type persona, but building uh-huh. technology companies is something that I'd love to do for sure. So would you be able to tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what inspired you to start Bitto and kind of this new phase of what you're working on? Yeah, I mean, I think um, we started actually, we ended up doing a little bit of a pivot. We started with a focus on developers uh, when started the company, uh, me and my two co-founders. And really our focus was how do we help developers collaborate you know, better? Um, and so we really wanted to be in the tools that developers use on a, on a you know, regular daily basis. But really, how do we help them, you know, like I said, collaborate, kind of bring a Google Docs and Slack type experience to their IDE and what everyone was like, oh, this is super cool. I'd love to use it. And then nobody choose it. Um, but then we started, but we started listening to that feedback and we started trying to think about mm-hmm. what are the different ways that we could, you know, help them. And they said, Hey, could you help us understand code onboard new engineers? And then that's really how we started spending more time with large language models and AI and really, you know, ended up launching kind of the current, you know, Bitto in December of 2022 which is today is really an AI assistant that helps developers. So it's really a tool that developers can use. It kind of works in their IDE or their CLI, and they can use it to you know write test cases, write code, explain code. Actually, the number one thing people use it to do is explain code. Um, debug, you can just throw debugging errors right into it. So it's a little bit like it started out as kind of like a chat GPT in your IDE. Uh, but really where we're going is that you know, we're building all these capabilities that really help them um, do things in a more automated fashion. So we have agents that let you like automatically document your entire set of files or repository of code. Um, you can write test cases. So all kinds of things like that. And we have about a hundred thousand developers who are using it today. Very cool. Wow. That's incredible. Um, and I think, you know, big kudos to you for a a lot of people, I feel like starting a company do not have the perhaps the vision when something isn't going exactly how the original hypothesis is to be able to make that pivot and get take on that feedback. So big kudos to you for, for taking that. And obviously, you know, seeing the reward of that hundred thousand developers is incredible. What is, um, I'm, I'm wondering if you have kind of like a, a, a case example or, uh, you know, of someone that has used this and been really successful or kind of the ideal person and, and maybe a success case, uh, using this. 
Yeah. Um, so I can give you kind of two. Um, so uh, we have like a very large transportation company that um, uh, said, hey, we have all these, you know, apps that they're running, but we, they're not well documented. No one's really okay. clear exactly how they work. Could we use Bitto to kind of automatically document them? Because we want to migrate them. They're older apps and we want to migrate them to more of a modern kind of architecture. Well, first, we need to really understand what they're doing. And so they're using Bitto to just like automatically, you know, document those apps. And they have like close to 50 of them. Um, and so I think that's, you know, pretty, pretty cool that they're able to like do something. It would have taken like thousands, you know, hundreds of hours. And they're, you know, able to do it, you know, in 10 minutes. Um, and then any changes you make, they automatically can update that. Right. So I think that's kind of like one, you know, interesting kind of uh, use case. Um, I'll give you two more quick ones. One is uh, yeah, uh, uh, some engineers at Pomatic were actually using it to like, they were saying, hey, how can I use it for testing? And so one of the things that they did was that they actually asked Bitto to take some code and then said, give me ways to break this code. Um, and then they turned those ways that it suggested to break the code and they turned that into test cases. So now they added that to the test suite so, for example, they were like, oh, like it was accepting some input. The code is accepting an input. So they're like, the, the thing said, oh, well, it doesn't really do much handling to take malformed inputs, you know, like, you know, maybe somebody could upload a script that runs, you know, correctly. Mm -hmm. So then they use that to then turn those into test cases. And anytime somebody continues to update that code, they run these test cases to make sure that the code's more hardened, you know? Um, Very cool. So, yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And then the third one, I'll give you really quick, is my nine year old. Um, he, uh, he's like learning the program, but to be honest, he's, it's funny to watch him. He's like an AI programmer. So like, he doesn't really understand how the code works, but AI helps him kind of advance and be a little bit like supercharged. So he basically said, Hey, write me a Chrome extension. Him and his brother were trying to trade Pokemon cards. So he said, I want to give you a name of a product. I want you to write a Chrome extension that like automatically searches eBay for those products and brings me back an ordered list by price. Um, and I wrote the whole Chrome extension in like one minute for him. And then he just followed the instructions and was able to set it up. So, you know, those are kind of, you know, three interesting use cases. Where super cool. That's, that's super cool. Um, one thing I would love to ask you and get your feedback on is, you know, from from your perspective and some of the things you've seen, right? You launched this thing back in December. What are the ways you see AI really shifting, like even from the beginning of the year till now, right? You've made pivots in your company, but what are the ways you're seeing the landscape of, of AI shift? What are some things you're you're look, seeing on the future? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because I think um, sort of the laws of gravity are are occurring. You know, when it comes to like all the AI innovation that's happening, and what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. If you, I don't know if you remember, but so far back as November, December last year, like when you when ChatGPT launched, right? I mean, you're in the AI space too, obviously. Like, it was crazy about like every day some announcement would come out, like the whole world was changing. There would be somebody would say, "I just rigged up this amazing thing over the weekend," and they would launch it on Twitter or X or whatever. And it was kind of like just seemed like everything was changing like overnight and people were talking about like gonna yeah. lose their job in 15 minutes and like oh the software is dead and like we don't need software developers anymore <laughs> right yeah. they're gonna lose their job but, you know all these things were out there right and it was like it was really cool to like 
you could do things really quickly and you could rig up this little like 30 second demo of like, hey, I took one hour and I kind of did this thing. And I think now we're, you know, here we are fast forward, let's say like nine months. You, if you look at Twitter, or, you know, you look at like just, there's a lot of AI announcements still happening. So I'm not trying to say they're not, but maybe instead of having like three unbelievable things happening every day, it's kind of like yeah. one one amazing thing is happening a week, you know? And maybe a year it'll be like, you know, one is happening a month, you know, because I think the bar is kind of going up and, you know, and we're also in this phase now where to actually turn like that little quick demo that you wrote into like a real product that people can use that actually works repeatably well, gives you kind of the similar output, you know, that is turning into a lot more work. Um, and so mm -hmm. I think what's happening is that people are realizing that like, it's like everything's going to change, but maybe not in like 15 minutes. It's going to probably take yeah. some you know, years of change. And then maybe one last thing I'll mention about this. I think users, consumers, business people, engineers, whatever, like changing behavior doesn't happen overnight, you know? So people are, mm -hmm. um, they are kind of used to doing things a certain way and adopting new ways of doing things isn't always like the easiest thing. And so we, we even noticed that in our product, you know, people will be like, oh, this is really cool. It can do all these things. And then, you know, maybe we'll, we'll look at some users who stopped, fell off from using it and they'll be like, oh, I just kind of forgot about it. Or I kind of just ended up going back to the way I was doing it. Or if you look at like chat GPT, you know, there's been all these articles kind of saying that, you know, usage obviously went up like crazy and then it's kind of flattened and even coming down a little bit, you know, the last few. Yeah. Um, and there's some different arguments about kids are in school, <laughs> they're just not needing to cheat as much. But, you know, the point is that like you talk to a lot of people today who are like, oh, yeah, I have a chat GPT subscription, but I don't really use it that much, you know. So I think human mm -hmm. behavior and even just understanding how to use these new tools takes time as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree. I had to take the projects you're working on. Definitely. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, of course, there's like the novelty of everyone wanting to try ChatGPT to just see what it can do. Um, but then it kind of comes down to like, who's, you know, actively using it in their workflow. Like I know for one, I would be, I'd be doomed if I did not have ChatGPT to help me prep for podcasts and like so much stuff I do. I've, it's kind of interesting because uh, essentially what I've done is I've pretty much scaled up my outputs my business outputs to like maybe like 5x what i was doing before and it's like if i did not have chat gpt this would be unsustainable i would be i'd be completely doomed so it's kind of funny that i feel like that's like a big pivot but like again you know some people if they don't have it figured out into their workflow they'll just continue using it but if you find it for something and you, it's like you can use it for something that's repeatable in your in your workflow like you're never going to give it up because it's too too valuable yeah. one thing i would i'd love to kind of ask you about um, if I find out from you is, you know, as far as like Bitbo's kind of AI code assistant goes, I'm wondering like, how does this differ from, you know, competitors? Of course, there's like GitHub Copilot and there's these other, there's these other ones. How does this kind of um, differ in terms of like understanding the context of, you know, a developer's project and that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, it's a great, great question. You know, I think um, one of the things that we really are, you know, focused on is like, how do we really understand you know, the developer and their, their context, like you were kind of mentioning. And so for example, like we index your entire code base and allow you to answer questions or work on your existing code you know um you know copilot today is really just like as you type a line of code you can complete it 
but you can't really help but get right. interactive, you know, chat. I mean, they're working on some of that stuff for sure. And I know, mm -hmm. but like, you know, we're really trying to think about how do we help that developer really understand their code base and use AI on that. And we want to help you really understand kind of all that stuff going on in your organization and help you use, you know, AI on that. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing like so much adoption is that like it's this versatile tool. You can use it to do code completions. You can use it to do chat and you can do it, you know, use it in a lot of different ways in a very flexible set of ways. You know? mm -hmm. Okay. Very cool. Um, something I would, I'd be curious to hear your opinion on as well is like, you know, obviously this is a, this is a big field. Um, what are some of the main challenges that, you know, you guys are facing right now in, in rolling these tools out and rolling, you know, Bitto out to people? Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a very ambitious vision, I feel like for a company. Um, so, you, you know, what are some of the big challenges that you are, that you're up against and some of the things you're doing to, to overcome them? Yeah. Well, one of the, I mean, maybe I'll mention two things. One is around um, uh, kind of like ease of use. And then the second is maybe around um, cost of AI models. So the first one, ease of use. So, you know, we've taken a PLG product-led growth approach, right? Which is that we want it to be super easy to get going and started with our product. You know, you can literally sign up and, and start using it within like two minutes. And, you know, off and running, we wanted you to get to that aha moment, you know, very, very quickly. Now, cool. So, you know, one of the things is, that, for example, like when we try to index your whole code base, you know, there are some other tools out there that let you do that, but you have to set up a separate app and it, you know, can literally take like an hour yeah. and like, okay, now publish an endpoint and set up the server. I mean, it turns into like a whole project, you know? It's, yeah. We actually write on your machine, like deploy a, a vector database and build kind of all these, you know, index of vector index of all of your code and locally on your machine for security reasons so that it's not like in the cloud. But, you know, we tried to make it so that the user didn't have to change anything. Literally, they just had to say, accept, like, I want to do this. Cool. Um, and so that's taken a lot of energy and work to kind of make that happen in a very seamless, easy to use way. I think that if you had like three hours of work that you had to do to enable that, I think that that wouldn't be you know, um, a lot of users wouldn't be interested in trying it out, you know? So yeah, today we only really offer that for our paid users, but we're trying to think about how to offer that, you know, for all of our, you know, for all of our kind of free users as well. And so that's something that, you know, goes back to the kind of your question about like, hey, these are some of the types of challenges like in a PLG model, you're trying to make it super easy to use the product and, you know, not all this configuration, installation, kind of all that stuff. Second thing, maybe I'll mention, you were asking, uh, the second thing I was going to mention was around kind of, AI model cost is so, you know, these AI models are not cheap. Um, well, yeah. you know, it's, it's at a whole different level of, um, cost than normal compute. You know, there's so many services where people are like, oh yeah, it's free to use because they're like, oh, you're just using a little bit of like, you know, AWS compute time or, you know, yeah. compute time and costs us a couple cents a user a month or if even that. Well, that's not really the case in these AI tools if you're if you're really aggressively using them. You know, like you can easily spend several dollars a month on a for a user, you know, if they're really querying in a lot and running a lot of GPT four queries or, you know, Anthropic has a great model Claude too that we use, you know, like those things can really add up in cost. And so, you know, people will be like, Well, I want access to this thing, but I don't want to pay. And so, you know, we of course want to give them a really robust product, but we're all trying to figure out like how do we do that? you know, in a way that, um, is cost effective 
A is a price that they're willing to pay, but B also then, you know, hopefully over time, we want to have some margin, you know, to, to, to build some revenue for our company. Um, and you do have, there's a long-term thing, which is like, you know, that there's a bit of a Moore's law happening on these AI models. And over time, the cost is going down um, as, you know, compute gets cheaper, but in the run, you know, that's not always exactly the case. Right. Okay. Very cool. Um, one thing that I would, I'd love to ask you about is what are some of the things that you get, you guys are currently working on, um, that you're really excited for in the future? Like some maybe like future features or the kind of future direction you guys plan on going. This is a really interesting space. And like you mentioned, like there is a lot of competition. There is a lot of people kind of looking at it. Um, big players and whatnot. Um, I'm like really impressed that you guys are like doing this as a startup and you're getting in there and like, you've just done so much. I'm blown away. And I think maybe one of your competitive advantages is having that kind of um, more agile, scrappier team versus something like a GitHub Copilot. You can get a lot of these like innovative things done very fast. But, you know, just curious, like what are some of the things you guys are looking forward to in the future and and uh, excited about there? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, we're definitely trying to move really fast. Um, and uh, I mean, I do think that's kind of one of our superpowers, if you will, is to be agile and, and try to move, you know, quickly and you know, there's just a few of us that kind of work to make some some of these decisions. We don't have like a whole thing by committee or, you know, whatever, like a bigger company. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think a couple of really interesting things. So we actually have like a code completions product launching in October, which we're pretty excited about. So this will be a little bit of like, um, uh, you know, as you type, we'll complete a line of code or you can put a comment in your code and we'll write the whole block of code. And I think one of the things that we're really bringing to that, which is different than everybody else out there, is like we really do understand your code base. And so you can use that to actually really write much better code, right? We understand the functions, the methods, you know, the variable names that you're using. And so we can really use that to to really um, write much more uh, code that I think really is much more relevant. And so we think that, you know, we can help developers maybe, you know, write as much as like half of their code. So I think that's kind of something that we're, you know, pretty, um, pretty excited about. And then I think, you know, the other thing I'll, I'll mention is that we're really doing a lot of work on uh, our agents. So we have some initial agents, you know, that we put out there, like one for, I think I've just mentioned this briefly before, but like for, you know, test automations or to write test cases, mm, not yeah. one for documentation, but, you know, those are still, you know, they're early, they're kind of, you know, alpha kind of versions, but we're, doing a lot to like really improve those and make those more and more robust. And so every week we're trying to really improve those and, and add more, you know, things around that. We have some other things we're doing around code review agents um, that we're hoping to launch, you know, uh, later this year. So, I mean, really excited about all these things. I mean, today our average user tells us that Bitto makes them 31% more productive. Um, wow. Which if you, you kind of think about that, like I didn't think it was going to be that high actually. Um, and we're just like surveying our users, right? We're like, hey, you spit out, like how much more productive does it make you? And there's a bunch of, yeah. I mean, 31 is the average, right? So of course there are a bunch of people who said, oh, no, it makes me like 5% more productive. But you have a bunch of users who said, oh, it makes, I think that there was like more than 25% of people said it makes them over like 100% more productive. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I kind of feel like we're just getting started, you know? So when I think uh -huh, maybe from where we are by the end of the year or maybe from sitting here in you know, September, 2023, where we are a year from now, I'm actually hoping that we can say, yeah, we make people like hundred percent, 150% more productive, which if you think about that, like we're focused on professional developers and helping them in their jobs. Like think about yeah. that in the work context, like 
you know, a developer, you know, company spend, let's say $150,000 a year on developer, like A, if you could be a hundred percent more productive, it's like, wow, it's a huge return on ROI. But I think yeah, maybe more interesting is that like for the developer themselves, we think that we can remove a lot of the kind of drudgery of work that's been out there. I mean, there's been this whole kind of push the last like seven, eight years called shift left in the development world. Which is like, oh, we should include security earlier in the process. Then you write more secure code. We should make test earlier in the process. So then you have more, you know, you better tested code, more code coverage. And all that's kind of ended up on the developer's plate. And so the developer is like, I'm supposed to become an expert in everything. Like CICD, I'm supposed to become an expert in, you know, um, security, static code analysis, open source vulnerabilities. I'm supposed to become an, you know, expert in test coverage, test framework, unit test. So all of these things are like, they are making better code. We are having more secure, um, you know, better performing code. But at the same point, the developer is like, I'm not getting that much time to actually just work on the stuff I want to work on, which is like thinking about how to design a good solution and then and then executing on it. And so we think that a lot of these AI tools can eliminate a lot of that work that, frankly, a lot of developers don't consider like that core to what they're doing and take care of a lot of that documentation, you know, like all that stuff just be handled for them. And so developers can kind of get back to almost like having fun and doing the work they want to do. Very cool. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's incredible. You guys are doing some really cool stuff. So definitely, this is a company that I'm going to be following along on the journey and, and watching what you guys are doing. Um, for people that want to, uh, you know, find out more about you guys and you know maybe give Bitto a try, what's the best way for people to find Bitto? Yeah, I mean, just check out our website, Bitto B I T O dot AI, Bitto dot AI, and um, yeah, right from there you can, like I said, sign up and you know, one minute and get going. We have a, we have plugins for the Visual Studio Code IDE. We have plugins for all the JetBrains IDEs like PyCharm, Golang, um, Ruby, you know, all the different languages that JetBrains supports, Android Studio, et cetera. We also have a CLI, so you can run it right from your command line interface. And we have a Chrome extension and a web app as well. So we kind of cover kind of all your bases. Very cool. Okay, awesome. And I'll make sure for the listeners, I'll have a link in the show notes um, to Bitto. You guys can go check it out. Um, Amr, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for sharing your story, the insights and some of the cool stuff you guys are working on. I'll definitely have to have you on another time. Um, to the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have an amazing rest of your day.